Welcome to the Hidden Why Podcast, episode 963, my interview with Michael Collins, and we're discussing sugar addiction. I hope you enjoy it. Michael, welcome to the Hidden Why Podcast. Great to have you here. Thank you, Lee. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. I'm honored. Is the uh, sound coming through okay your end? Yeah, sounds really good. Thanks. Sounds okay. Excellent. All right. Well, look, um, yeah, look, fantastic to have you on here. Such a really important topic, and I know a topic that you're clearly very passionate about. Um, and you've got a book which um, you just said you're giving away free. On I guess it's on your site now, is it? Yes, yeah, sugaraddiction.com. It's the last resort sugar detox. Sugaraddiction.com. Um, and I'm just interested about, how, like, because you've been doing this for, for some time now. Yeah. Um, I, I'm just interested or curious about how how you found your pathway to being an advocate for sugar addiction. Yeah, I have a little podcast version that I tell folks. It doesn't take but two or three minutes. And uh, yeah. basically, I uh, it's a kind of a sad story at the beginning because my grandmother died when my mom was only eight years old, right? And uh, this was a long time ago, obviously. And she, uh, uh, they thought that, you know, they didn't know back then. They happened to own the country store across the way. Uh, and every time my mom went in there, they had made an arrangement that she could have any candy she wanted for free. And so that was a, a beautiful gesture for a, uh, you know, a family trying to help the eight-year-old survive this trauma. But really, it really kind of influenced her. And my mom really believed genuinely that sugar was love, right? And as we move, as she moved forward, she kind of passed that on to us. And yeah. She, we had unfettered access to the sugar bowl. We could, you know, have, we could have all the sugar we wanted on our cereal, and we would be scraping out half an inch of sugar in the bottom with the milk. It was really kind of a, I mean, it was wonderful. I thought as a kid, and we had all kind of candy and everything. I mean, it just went on and on. So uh, fast forward a little bit. I ran in. I liked every kind of everything. We had ice cream and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Kool Aid, everything you can think of. We couldn't <laughs> afford soda. But we had a lot of Kool-Aid with three times the recipe. Um, and so, you know, fast forward, I, you know, I loved all kinds of candy, really, literally. It was just, uh, I, I was a candy junkie even, even as a child. And uh, about 14 or 15, I, I, Lee, I ran into beer and, and pot and that kind of thing. And I, know, I knew that beer changed my state. And I knew that I was, uh, you know, I could talk to girls. I was a little shy. And... Uh, we called it liquid courage back then, you know? Yeah. And, uh, I mean, this is a different podcast, but that party lasted till I was 28 years old and I can answer that. But hmm. the, the relationship to sugar is that right after I quit drinking, I ended up back in the sugar in a big way. I literally substituted one for the other and gained yeah. 20 pounds in, inside of 60 days. I mean, it was just wild, mm. and and uh, and it really felt like I was doing the same thing. I was drinking a lot of caffeine at the time. Uh, it was just like I wasn't free because I was kept using this product. And I ran across a book called Sugar Blues, and Sugar Blues describes who is that uh, written by? A guy named William Duffy, mm -hmm. and William Duffy uh, was married at one time to. Gloria Swanson, the famous movie star. And they oh. promoted the book pretty heavily. And so it had a great history lesson. That's what I liked about it. It had an amazing history lesson about 
the English Empire growing a giant empire on the backs of slavery and sugar and rum and molasses. And, you know, they would go with empty ships to the west of Africa and they would, uh, you know, pick up the slaves. They would go to the Caribbean and the Americas and uh, drop off the slaves and pick up the sugar. In over 150 years, the English went from five pounds a year average, because this was a hard to get commodity, to 100 pounds a year, right? Today, now it's 150 pounds. But that empire that grew, that I love the history of it all. And so I got fascinated and I got off sugar. It took me a while after I was sober to get off sugar. And I finally did, no sugar, no flour, no caffeine. That was over 30 years ago. And I t somehow I talked my wife at the time into having the kids uh, with no sugar, no flour, no caffeine in the womb and until they were six years old. And that, that, that it was an accident that they had it when they were six. But, hmm. you know, I just think it really developed, helped them develop their brains better. Their, you know, they never had an attraction to sugar. So they, you know, they started having sugar at the age of six. Yeah, we never had it in the house, but we allowed it outside for <clears throat> birthday parties, so they didn't be. <clears throat> excuse me. Hmm. They yeah. didn't feel, um, you know, ostracized or left out. Yeah. That's but, a hard yeah. thing about these things too, isn't it? Like when you, um, you know, kids going to school or going to birthday parties or something. There's the whole tables are usually just full of sugar <laughs> and candy and. Oh, absolutely, and and it was hard because. We, you know, people genuine, they were angry, some of them. They thought we were depriving them of some kind of childhood or something. Even their own grandparents and the schools and, like you say, and uh, it was difficult. But I think no, it was worth the it. Culture. It's a great mm. story mm. of success. And they were never really attracted to substances as something that they used to change their state. You know, something they used to feel better. Yeah. And so they never developed any alcohol or drug issues or anything. So, so do, you, do you feel sugar is a bit of a gateway for, for drug addictions, alcohol addiction, things like that? 110%. I believe 110 it is the absolute gateway drug. And mm. that is absolutely the most powerful, unknown, psychoactive toxin on the planet. It really is a difficult... Um, we're at a difficult time. Cross what about nicotine? Nicotine, caffeine, all those? All of them. I believe that, like the, um, I don't want it to be too radical, but yeah, um, no, I like it. I like radical. He, <laughs> good. <laughs> uh, you know, I believe eighty, ninety percent of the maladies, both mental and physical, in the world are are caused by flour, sugar, and caffeine, and nicotine probably to throw that in there. But mm -hmm. um, yeah, nicotine probably goes up even higher. But um, I mean, and the science now has proven us out, right? The science is proving this. This is the, the constellation of symptoms around metabolic syndrome, metabolic illnesses, and blood sugar dysregulation, blood sugar uh, problems, and inflammation is legendary. I mean, it just keeps every single study that comes out now says that this inflammation caused by sugar uh, is, is a problem. So, yeah. And anyway, just finish the story real quick. I, I ended up... Uh, uh, writing a book my kids always said i should write a book uh, about sugar and i wrote the book uh, and then i bought the website about 10 years ago and i really delivered the best information out there i really did i delivered the best information in the, on the planet about um what, what i knew back then but i didn't have i you know some people took it and run ran with it but most for the most part it wasn't until about three years ago when i uh, started coaching and having groups 
and you know really getting a, a group of people a tribe of people together in a peer recovery kind of structure that really the success started happening for the for the for the clients you know they ended up really you know getting one and two and three years and losing a lot of weight and getting off diabetes meds and all kind of stuff happened that's the reason i'm so adamant about this uh lee is because i have literally seen almost every malady known to man be eliminated uh and it wasn't me i didn't like tell them that this was going to happen i didn't you know i, I gotta always say i'm not a doctor and i didn't you know i didn't tell them this but they went to their doctor after they'd had a year or so with no sugar and they got off their diabetes meds they got off of their all kind of med medicines so mm -hmm. the psychiatric drugs the, the ssris it, it's really you know lupus goes into remission our arth rheumatoid arthritis goes into remission i mean it's crazy really and it's so it's rewarding as hell um, and it's kind of scary that the you know the rest of the medical establishment is not ready to admit this and help change it. Well, some are the ones that are on our summits are, but mm. not most. Of them. So yeah, that's the short version. Kind of how I got here. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good version. Um, yeah, wow, lots lots to delve into um, with all this, and and I I think you know having sugar as the gateway for other drugs that's pretty pretty profound, and then you know the detox of sugar from your diet um the the profound health benefits by the sound of it can be had as well um yeah. what what do you know about the 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 psychological processes i suppose or the, or the brain chemistry um of sugar and 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 how that then leads to you know going for other drugs well that's my favorite topic Good. that's great that you brought yeah so this was a little bit anecdotal for many, many years, definitely most of the time that I've been off sugar. Yeah. Uh, and it was kind of worked out in dusty church basements, not with OA, Overeaters Anonymous is not, I don't think, up to speed, but a couple of offshoots called uh, Food Addicts and Recovery, uh, the Gray Sheeters, uh, Food Addicts Anonymous, a couple of those programs delineated that if you want this to work, you have to eliminate flour and sugar. Uh, they don't talk about caffeine, but they talk about flour and sugar. And those people get a lot of success and a lot of recovery. But it hasn't been until the last five years that the uh, the science, the brain science, the neuroscience has proven that sugar in all its glory lights up the same dopamine uh, receptors in your brain that alcohol and cocaine and heroin do. Absolutely exactly the same. And they've done yeah. MRIs. You know, sipping a, a syrupy drink and and with the you know the the MRI and you can see it and then you do the alcohol and then you can see it and it's exactly the same place. It's a, and the difference is you know you take a little bit of alcohol, you take a little bit of cocaine, you take a little bit of heroin, heroin or marijuana or whatever, but we are pounding 20 teaspoons average through our body, and and if you have a you know, Coke's got 12, so if you got any kind of habit at all, it's 30 or 40. Or more teaspoons per day and this is you know the body was not meant to have this type so, of sorry 30 or 40 teaspoons of sugar roughly is is what the average person consumes in sugar no the average is 20, 20. But if you have any habit at all like again a coke is only is 12 you're already you're already mostly the way there if you drink one coke a day and so uh, you know anyone with any habit at all is up towards 30 or 40 you know and so 
uh, and that doesn't, you know, I mean, that doesn't include flour. It doesn't include, it's just straight sugar. Yeah. And, and so uh, the brain science is there, you know. This is the the nucleus accumbens, the dopamine, serotonin, norepinephrine, GABA. These systems in the brain are affected by this chemical, by this uh, psychoactive drug, this toxin. And, you know, it, it's... One of the things I like to tell people is like if you've ever talked to a person who's lost two or three hundred pounds uh, or a hundred pounds, this person uh, had to go through the exact same recovery as an alcoholic or a drug addict, and they had to grow emotionally. They had to start. They had to reorder their emotional life. It mm. was only about ten percent about the food, right? And look, in 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 this in this addiction, if you will. Uh, we share the delivery system with our um, with our stomach and our mouth, right? Like you're shooting heroin and you're you know drinking alcohol, you're smoking cigarettes or whatever. But we have to share it and we have to cleave apart the stuff that's bad. We have to yes, you have to eat whole food, but the cravings and all that kind of stuff in the mouth feel and the stomach, this is the body trying to get another squirt of dopamine, basically. Mm. Mm. Um, and and when that, like, I always say to folks that have podcasts and stuff, like, I don't have any tagline. I don't have any meat is murder. I don't have any friends don't let friends drive drunk. I can't explain this in, in, a, in a sound bite. I've got to do what we're doing here, which is, ex, you know, explain it over, a, uh, you know, a, hopefully a rational explanation over time hmm. and and really the part that's the the, the 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 crux of it all is this sugar as emotional management tool there's a very common construct in drug and alcohol recovery whereby if you started using alcohol and drugs at 14 or 15 you stop growing emotionally and this is well known if you're in that world and that it was reflected in your relationships and your finances and your career, whatever. It's your life is kind of messed up when you you don't come in on a win streak, winning streak when you're, you know, you, you're in treatment. And so, if you can imagine a child, um, and when you talk to the people who've lost a hundred pounds, if you talk to a person who's like, uh, you know, you started using sugar at two or three, maybe in the womb. They've really been stunted emotionally. They've used this product to feel better. Their mom did it to them, you know, gave them a cookie when they were crying instead of giving them a hug or saying what's wrong. And mm. so they they have literally unconsciously, <clears throat> excuse me, substituted sugar for managing their emotions in an organic and natural way, like take a walk, go to yoga, get a run, lift weights, whatever. And... Because of that, it when they get to be adults, the easier, softer way is to grab this sugar, to grab this flour, uh, to grab a substance to get that little little dopamine. And when you get to be an adult, you're really not helping yourself because you're only just fighting off withdrawals at that point. And that really is the important message that I like to get out to folks. That's counterintuitive in a in a, in a really big way that people. It's not common knowledge, put it that way. It's not something that people would think about. And even people who have history in recovery from drugs and alcohol, those folks don't even you know, put two and two together. They're some of the worst offenders. Um, 
of of you know eating a lot of sugar and flour. Hmm. Yeah. It um it there's I often hear that you know it's more addictive than than some of these other substances. If it's affecting the same part of the brain, does it affect it in different um, levels? Yeah. See, it's so funny because Facebook gave me this warning the other day and. Um, and I think it's from an outside thing. The, the, the phrase is that it's eight times more uh, addictive than cocaine. Hmm. And Mark Hyman popularized that phrase, I think. And it's actually research, but it's also in rodents, you know. It's not something that's human. Hmm. And the question here is dose, okay? Yeah. The, do the dose makes the poison. And as I mentioned, you're doing a little alcohol, you're doing a little cocaine. We're pounding this stuff. We never get a break. Never. Like, literally, most adults have never had a full 24 hours with no sugar. Yeah. They just, it's just not something that this culture uh, understands. They think it's acceptable. And so we keep, like, we're literally in a high state of, like, a fight or flight, or, you know, we're, we're uh, stimulating our dopamine receptors with a substance as opposed to a, a walk or a hug or whatever. And, this are, these are evolutionary tools that develop for some reason, you know, obviously not 100% clear, but for procreation, for finding food, that when we did something positive, we got, we felt better. Hmm. And now it's that system, that literal system has been hijacked um, and hijacked to the point where uh, we are able to manually manipulate it with a substance. Or, And so when people finally get that part of it and they and they and they all they have to do really is read the science the brain science about this uh and 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 understand the one thing about sugar and sugar addiction is it doesn't get any respect as a, a drug a psychoactive drug or a drug of addiction but again i always bring in the person who's who's recovered from a hundred pound weight loss or more um who is honest enough to say that they literally had to reorder their emotional life in mm. order to get to the other side. Because it doesn't get much the, respect because it's, you know, it doesn't alter the, the frame of mind. Well, I think if, if people were more, I think what happens, and this is a, a lesson, it's kind of a teaching moment when, when people are in recovery because, you know, we've done thousands of detoxes. Mm. And people are like, um, like they'll get 90 days in, and then they'll either intentionally or accidentally have sugar. And then they realize, because they're now experimenting with a clean body, not one that's been in constant uh, detox and constant yeah. withdrawals, that they're stoned. They get this elevated feeling of well-being and self-esteem because their dopamine, you know, really? they've healed up a little bit and they're... I mean, it happens to me in a huge way. If I get an accidental ingestion, like a salad dressing or something, somebody said they swore they had no sugar in it, you know, and I'm eating the salad and all of a sudden, like, the lights are a little brighter and I'm, you know, I'm high. And, and when you see it, what happens when the cake and ice cream comes out with kids, you can, you can relate, you know. But I think that the, I, th I do believe that it is the perfect drug in that it if you if used correctly if someone is can control it um and biochemically there is a small amount of people that can control it uh you know they can just leave half a piece of cake if you're one of these those people then it gives such a feeling of well-being a 
feeling of calm and all is right with the world that I can see why people would want to re-ingest over and over again. But it does turn on you after a while. Hmm. Like any drug. Do you know much about the, the time it takes to leave the system? Like, you know, with, with nicotine or, or heroin, I mean, there's different time lapses where, where the drug starts wearing out and then you can go, yep, I need some more now. And nicotine, mm. I believe, is, is so addictive because it, 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 it wears out quickly, um, which is why people smoke more. Right. Is sugar yeah, similar? Yeah, it is. Um, it does leave the system pretty quickly, um, about the time of a digestive cycle, you know, there's not yeah. much of a half-life. And, but the problem is, is the emotional cravings, right? And one of the things about sugar is that, and people don't realize, and it sounds kind of stupid that you would even say, that I would even say it, is that if you want to quit sugar, you just got to quit sugar because the cravings are set up when there's sugar in your system and you want more. And the withdrawals themselves are a physical reaction to your brain not getting the dopamine. I heard a great thing the other day that dopamine is the way a brain says it loves itself. It's the way it takes care of itself. It makes it feel better, right? Hmm. And, the dopam- and, the, and the dopamine doesn't discriminate. It doesn't care of its illicit drugs, illicit sex, gambling, d- alcohol, drugs, sugar. It doesn't care. It just wants its dopamine. And if you have shown a pattern, a proven pattern of getting that brain, that dopamine, well then, it's going to want, it's going to do everything in its power. It's going to give you a headache. It's going to make you nauseous. It's going to make you sweat. It's going to do everything it can as you're withdrawing from the stuff that Hmm. you re-ingest. And this should be the biggest clue in the world that on day four, when you're in the throes of your worst withdrawals and you got a meeting and you actually have a donut and you feel fine, that should be the biggest clue in the world. But people don't take it like that. They think it's, you know, they, 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 I don't know what they're thinking. Well, it's culturally, it's just accepted. It's not really, yeah. you know, like for someone who goes out there and has a smoke to, to relieve that tension. Yep. Uh, It's, it's totally different. Like if you go out there and eat a donut, people don't look at it and go, Oh, you're eating a donut, you know, go to the donut corner. (laughs) Exactly. And and, and that's it. I mean, it's so socially acceptable. You can give it to a one-year-old with no legal, moral, ethical responsibility or worries. Mm. And, uh, that's where the cultural change comes in, which is also a big part of it. Yeah, this it would is be. very culturally accepted still. This kind of information, I really appreciate you allowing me to have this platform. Uh, this type of information is just not out there within a, except within a small group of people. Mm. And where is it? I mean, if you if you look at the supermarket shelves, there's not something we can really find there that's that doesn't have sugar in it. Um, and you know, we yeah. at home we try to eat quite um unprocessed foods you know we eat some meat we eat some fruit and vegetables and nuts and things like that but then we look at some items and we go oh geez that's got sugar in it and certainly we've got ice cream in the freezer you know we don't mind Mm. a bit of ice cream from time to time um and i know why (laughs) but what what do we do there how do we how do we clean out our environment or our pantries to to become sugarless or where do we start with this whole idea of detoxing from sugar yeah, that's a big one right there. That's a big mm. question. And uh, it's not an easy answer, to be honest with you. I mean, you've got to be kind of committed to that uh, ideal and idea. You've got to start thinking about um, the kids. Uh, I always try to focus on the next generation a little bit. And I'm not above guilting parents. <laughs> you know, trying to trying to get them. Cause my, my thing is watching, you know, obese 
three, four, five, three, four, five, six year olds because they don't have, they don't buy the food. They don't have responsible for the food, and uh, and that you know we have an epidemic of five and six year old uh, with fatty liver. That's kind of mm. crazy, but but the mm. short version of your question, answer to your question is really, um, uh, as parents or as adults, if you don't have kids or whatever, is you you really have to think about. Um, uh, abstinence for a time just a time this is like uh, I get a lot of pushback on this because it's like cold turkey yeah you got to give yourself 30 60 90 days so that you can see what it is like to operate a body without sugar most adults have never had a 24 hours put together where they have no sugar and mm. that's just not I mean if I tell people not to eat steak for uh, you know for 30 days they're like yeah i like steak but or broccoli or whatever but mm. they get you get to the sugar and they just can't do it and for a lot of reasons we're talking about cravings you don't really crave steak i mean you might want it for dinner tonight but you don't crave it and you don't like you, you know you don't do weird things like uh, hide it and sneak it I mean, you just it, you just don't, hmm. and so you, people have got to like realize it's. I call it a little bit of adulting there, Lee. You know, you've got to talk about like the long-term effects of how this could be. And I also tell them about a scratch test. A scratch test is in an allergist is where they would scratch your arm for pollen or dust or ragweed or something, shrimp. I don't know something you'd be allergic to. Well, the scratch test here is the 30, 60, 90 days of abstinence. Hmm. Just try it out. I call it buying into Mikey's fantasy, you know. Just try it out. I have never, in all the years of doing this and thousands of successful detoxes, had somebody get past 90 days in um, of true 100% abstinence and then go back. Now, they may slip somewhere down the line, but they always come back. We have mm. effectively screwed up their using. Uh, they are, um, they've lost weight, they've come to the, maybe have even come to a, the right size body, their goal weight or whatever. You know, their skin is better, they're, they're, uh, they're thinking more clearly, they sleep less. Um, it's just a whole constellation of benefits that they get, and they want to stay there. And it's just not worth it to... Uh, to be quote unquote normal, to be able to have a piece of cake at the birthday party, right? And then there's a half a group, or not half, it's called, it's about a third. A third of people biochemically cannot ingest this product without setting up cravings for more and leading them down a repetitive process of over and over and over till they're sick or, or mm. dead, you know? And then about a third of what we call harmful users, that group of people, they've just, adopted society's norms they they fell into it and they're you know some weight overweight or whatever and they've got some illnesses those folks can give it up and then possibly go return to moderate use and then there's the other third of people who are um you know they're normies they're like an alcohol person that they can have a half a drink or half a cookie and no problem but i want to make one clarification in that group of that breakdown is that you can be very thin and have a serious sugar addiction. That's hmm. tofi, right? Thin on the outside, fat on the inside. Uh, that is like fatty liver and fat around your organs because you're, you know, pounding in so much sugar. But maybe you're also an exerciser, and so you have to be careful. I've had Olympic athletes and marathon, ultra marathon runners who had serious sugar addictions. So it's very possible 
to be thin. Body size has very little to do with it. But these do track, these numbers do track kind of similar to the obesity epidemic numbers where two-thirds are overweight, one-third is obese. So, yeah, yeah, it's a, yeah, it's a, it's a bigger pandemic than the pandemic. Put it that way. Mm. You know, always has been. And if you listen to the right scientists, uh, the, uh, the indications of people with met- metabolic type syndrome, inflammation, diabetes, uh, heartbeat, heart uh, problems, asthma, people that sugar could have caused their weakened immune system, those folks fare not as well with COVID. So. Hmm. Are you a person that can um, have a little bit of sugar now without falling into a trap again? Absolutely not. I, I am I am one of the abstinence-based guys. I, I cannot... When I get it, I, about 10 times in the last 30 years, maybe 15, I can't I don't count them or anything, but no more than 10 or 15 times, I have had accidental ingestations from what I described as mm. someone promised me they made it themselves. No, no sugar in this salad dressing. But they didn't realize it had agave syrup, which is 70% fructose. And uh, so when I do get, when I have got those ingestations, it's a very, very predictable cycle. And what happens is now, I hope it doesn't happen again because I hate it, but um, I just enjoy the buzz because I am truly, as an introvert, you know, I turn into an immediate extrovert. I'm very, uh, you know, buoyed up. But that only lasts about 40 minutes, not even. And and then I get kind of like slower, and then I get hungry, starving. And then that night I always sweat. I, I get um, soaked the bed. And the next day I'm a little blue. And that's the cycle that I go through when I get an accidental ingestation. Hmm. And talking with hundreds of success stories, that's exactly the thing that happens to them too. Hmm. When they slip or intentionally use sugar after they've been off it a while. So this is no mystery to what happens to the human body. Yeah. When you know, it, the mystery is is that we think that the way that we feel now, the aging process is the arthritis and the the diabetes. These are this is aging. It's absolutely not aging. It is absolutely not aging. It is, um, you know, it, it's the toxicity of sugar uh, taking its toll on your body and your brain. Yeah. Well, that's inspiring enough to give it a, a thirty day crack, eh? Yeah. yeah, I um so thirty days. Would you say thirty days or ninety days? Is there is there a number? Yeah, we have a thirty day challenge, and that's really only to get you acclimated. The game really starts at abstinence because you've heard this. Uh, I know you've seen it. It's famous in the literature where if someone loses a substantial amount of weight, ninety five plus percent, ninety ninety five percent plus chance they will gain it all back in the first year. Hmm. And let's think about how they lost it. Every diet plan on the planet, worth the paper it's printed on, yeah. says quit sugar, quit flour, quit the white stuff, quit the white rice, quit the white potatoes, quit the white stuff, quit the starchy sugars, right? And yeah. primarily sugar. Yeah. And so that's what they did. They white-knuckled the hell out of it. They exercised. Some athletes do better uh, when they're able to exercise. But what happens and the reason the stats are so staggering at 95% gaining all their weight back is because when a a difficulty comes up, a divorce, a death, finances, whatever, and Mm. and comes up uh, and the mental part has not been handled during the detox, during the first 30 or 60 or 90 days, 
and there hasn't been a substitution, a new ordered form of instead of worry, anxiety, fear, reach for sugar, it's worry, anxiety, fear, go for a walk. Worry, hmm. anxiety, fear, uh, go to yoga, get a hug, you know, whatever. If you don't reorder your emotional life at that point, then you're uh, doomed to repeat this over and over because, A, it's a really powerful drug that does its job well, and B, it's your go-to. It's what you've been doing for since you were a kid. Yeah. And your mom probably did it to you. And so it's easy. You reach for it. Uh, you're, you know, wherever you are, the funeral home, and they got the cookies out, and you're like, damn, let me just have a cookie. I can't take this grief, you know? And yeah. that's how it works. And I know it sounds a little counterintuitive, a little radical, a little bit weird, but when you've done so many of them as I have, and you've talked to so many people one-on-one -on -one and in group settings, the things that I'm saying are not foreign to this group of people. You know, this is a common, these are common, this is common knowledge. But the problem is, is, and again, thank you for providing a platform like this. It's just not common knowledge for everyone. Hmm. Yeah. The 30 day challenge. I'm up for a challenge. Okay. Um, can I pick a date? Can I start on the 1st of February? Yeah, absolutely. We have it. We try and do uh, monthly ones. We theme them like the January 1st one was the largest sugar detox in the world. The February one is going to be uh, we had the Quit Sugar Summit in January. So it's going to be the Quit Sugar Summit community. But you can start any time. You can start yeah. the 15th if you want, because we have it set up so you can binge watch it. In other words, you can go run right through the prep week. The first week, we don't even ask you to quit sugar. We just kind of prepare you for that. And so you can, and you get a video every day, and you get there's li literally 50 hours beyond that of education summits, all kind of stuff. But the most important part is the 7,000 people in a forum who help you, uh, the peers that help you who've been there, and everybody helps out. It's not like you know people in there one, two, three years long, you know whatever. People just like it. They're, you know, we don't pay them. They're they're peer recovery folks. They're helping their fellow man. Uh, whatever and and that group of people and the zoom meetings every night of the week and soon to be every you know every weeknight and soon to be every week uh, or every uh, every day of the week uh, is very helpful to join this new tribe this new group of people because sometimes what happens Lee is folks are um, like they're the only person in the house doing this they're mm. they're you know they're outliers they're pioneers they're they've done the research they've struggled with it for years maybe weighed up and down whatever maybe they got a diabetes diagnosis and then you know but no one else in the house wants to do it they think it's extreme they think they can moderate they think a lot of things yeah um but that doesn't turn out to be true for a lot of people hmm. so 30 days what um what what do we have to avoid like to eat because can you eat that you know um, substitute sugar um stevia is it can you eat bread? Can you, you know? Yeah, no, I get it. it, it and <laughs> this is, you're, 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 uh, here's the thing. I mean, in trying to figure out how I can get this information to people, you almost have to be a marketing genius because you can't really um, tell them up front that this is an addiction recovery program, you know? You've got to ease them into it because the answer to your question is, in order to do this right, you, you got to 
have no flour, no sugar. And for our program, we, we suggest and recommend no caffeine as well. Hmm. And we just had experience. We had an Olympic athlete. And we, this is years ago. I couldn't figure it out. I just couldn't. I don't know what the hell is going on here. And this woman could do anything with her body, but she couldn't get off the sugar to save her life. And then I found out that her coaches were giving her caffeine, not Coca-Cola. They were giving her coffee at 10 years old for her performance. And so she was so wired, so her neural pathways were grooved so deep that they were, because they didn't give her coffee with not sugar in it. So the two of them were combined, right? And so it, it took, when it finally she got off the caffeine, then she got off the sugar. So there's a lot of wired together, fired together stuff. So you've got to, like, you can't, like, chocolate is the perfect speedball, you know, up and down. Mm. Uh, and, and so you got to get off everything. And, and it's only, like I said, it's only for 30 or 60, 90 days. Just take the test. I call it buying into Mikey's fantasy. <laughs> you know, just take a test. Just check it out. See if it works. And then, you know, again, that's when the mental game starts. But you, you know, you do have to avoid sugar. Or, and the big one is fruit. People really give me a lot of pushback on fruit. Okay. So you can't eat fruit? It's not suggested, and stevia is definitely out, and so is monk fruit and every other kind of artificial, because it's like Pavlov's dogs, right? So, you know, it, once the body tastes the sugar, there's an anticipation, you know, for 30 years that you've been uh, tasting sweet, and then all of a sudden, you know, uh, you, you're, you want more sweets, right? And it's, again, that wired together, fired together, but it's also like the... Uh, what was I going to say the, uh, um, yeah, like Pavlov's dogs, you're, 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 you're conditioned and people don't realize that once you get off it, that stuff tastes syrupy sweet and carrots taste sweet and peppers taste sweet and lettuce taste sweet. And, you know, and, you know, macadamia nuts taste like candy for goodness sakes, you know, and you really, your taste buds adjust. And if you keep the brain active with the, sweet tastes then you're going to court the cravings and they will be back for the hard stuff i call it the, the processed white powdered sugar same with fruit the the offending molecule in fruit is the fructose right mm. and the fructose is what affects the nucleus accumbens that this is what affects the dopamine the serotonin the norepinephrine we all know the other side of the uh, the sugar table the table sugar molecule is glucose in that glucose, uh, you know, ravages the body, diabetes, heart disease, rheumatoid arthritis, lots of proven things that that does to the body. But the reason they can't stop and stay stopped and make it a lifestyle is because the, they're used to a fructose hit. You know, back in the day, if we got like one, one thousand, one, one millionth of a year of the sugar we get today... We got a little bit of in the berries, a little bit in the crab apples when the things were completely ripe. And if you're willing to risk getting stung by a bee, you got a little bit there. But it's only once a year. And the body just does. The, the, the only way fructose can be metabolized in the body is through the liver. And this is causes fatty liver. Like I said before, maybe I didn't hear, but we have an epidemic of four and five year olds with fatty liver. Hmm. And so the offending molecule, both physically and mentally but more mentally because i focus on the addictive nature of it how and why you cannot stop why hmm. it's a problem why it's hard 
And so I have to weave in my background in addiction and the background of people who have had success, and I have to weave it in so that they understand that. And they, I want them to think nicotine, not heroin and alcohol. It's a hard, difficult habit that will kill you over a long time. It doesn't kill you tomorrow. You can probably eat sugar for another 10 years. You gain another 10 pounds. Probably not going to die. But over time, that pounding, day in and day out, that inflammation that it creates, both in the body and the brain, is going to kill you. It's going to turn on you. Hmm. So, hmm. anyway. That's, so it sounds like a... Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that's good. I like it. it sounds like there's a, a fair bit to think about as far as what we should have in the house and try and keep out of the, the eyesight. And for those that, like myself, potentially would go it alone, even though I've got a family here, um, that becomes a little bit of a challenge too. So there's a bit of planning, I guess, that goes into something like this challenge. Oh. Um, but certainly um, certainly worth giving it a go. Now, I know you've got a website you mentioned at the start. Is that the best place to go to find out more about your book, your you know your information that you provide and the challenges and things? Yeah, sugaraddiction.com. We've, Sugar we've taken to given the book away. Yeah. Um, it's a big yellow cover. You'll see it. It's called The Last Resort Sugar Detox. And the reason mm. it is is because our average person has tried 6.8 diets, uh, and that's average. You know, the, the real success stories, the real fun success stories, they've tried, you know, 10 or 15 diets. And this is the last house on the block, basically. This is the, you know, they're willing to listen because they've tried so many other different things. Yeah. And so if you just click on the book and you can download it. And uh, But yeah, sugaraddiction.com and you can there'll be a thing you can click on the challenge and read about it. Tell us about my mom's story and how yeah. I evolved through all this. Yeah, That's awesome, mate. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing, Michael. I enjoyed it and thank you for having and providing this type of platform so this message can get out. Always good, guys. Check it out, thehiddenwhite.com, episode 963. Um, sorry, 933. Anyway, it's one of those. You'll see it at thehiddenwhite.com. Until next time, peace, passion, and purpose. Thanks, guys, for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed what you heard. I hope you love what you're hearing. If you like this episode, guys, or any of the episodes that you're listening to here at The Hidden Why, please do me a favor by sharing it. You can share it with your families. You can share it with your loved ones. You can do that by using your favorite social media channels using the icons on the platform that you're listening to the Hidden Wire podcast. Also, guys, if you're a fan of the show, please connect with me. Connect with me at thehiddenwire.com. I love to hear from you. I love to converse with the people that listen to this show to find out what they enjoy, what they don't enjoy, and perhaps if they have any questions or feedback for the show as well. You can stay up to date with all that I'm releasing here, guys. I do a solo show every Monday, a three-minute thought every Thursday. I do two interviews a week on a Wednesday and a Saturday, and a book review every Friday. You can stay up to date with all that by subscribing to my newsletter at thehiddenwire.com. Just enter your email address there, and also subscribing to the podcast on the platform that you choose to listen to your podcast. You can also support the show, guys, by using the Amazon links at thehiddenwire.com. So if you like books, you can get all the books that I review there um, and anything else, really, that you like to purchase through Amazon. So use that link. It helps support the show. And we've also got a deal with Audible, guys. Audible is a fantastic way to listen to all your favorite books. We've got a deal with them so you can get two free books when you subscribe or, yeah, subscribe to a 30-day free trial. So check that out, again, at thehiddenwire.com. Guys, that's it from me. You know what to do. Go out there. Breathe more passion into every single moment. Do everything with greater purpose and in doing so you will discover your hidden why this is the hidden why my name is lee martin Utsi. until next time peace passion and purpose see you soon